Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about to books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I am your co-host, Justin McElroy. Hey, I'm Sydney. Sidster. Dr. Sid, what's going on, babe? Oh, just, you know, not. I'm not feeling too good today. You don't sound great to me right now. Ah, no. Um, just a little, little tummy pain. Just a little. Let me, let me feel right here. Let me see where it's tender. Ah! Okay, that's bad. Whoa, my audio just spiked really bad. I'm sorry for those at home. Sydney did not mean to be in such mortal mortal pain. Uh, what's going on, sweetheart? Please don't do that again. I won't do that again. Just tell me, tell me what's wrong. We're gonna get through this. Well, um, did you, is it gas? No. I know you like when I ask, is it gas? No. Is it gas? No. If I wasn't hurting so badly, I'd punch you. What's wrong, sweetheart? Oh, I've um, I see. Okay, I've got this pain. It's kind of down in like the right um, lower part of my stomach. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, I'm, oh God, I'm running. I think I'm running a fever. Yeah, definitely running a fever. You probably think you're um, making it obvious to people uh, what's going on with you, but us us uh, us noobs uh, need a little bit of guidance. What's 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 the problem, sweetheart? I I hate to break it to you, but I think I got an appendicitis. Oh no. Oh, yeah. Okay. Should podcast. I keep and I keep I keep drinking this beer to try to make it go away. Uh, okay, it's that not going can't away. be advisable medically speaking. No, I just I hate doctors. Uh, yeah. Well. Mm, wow. Really. Huh. Yeah. I just can't. I can't stand them in hospitals. I don't. Oh, I don't want to go to the hospital. All right. So what surgery. Do you, I don't want to go under anesthesia. What are you gonna do after you pick up your Oscar for awesome acting? What are you, what are you gonna do? I don't know what you're talking about. What are you gonna do? I was. I know this is going to sound kind of crazy. Go on. I'm here but, for you. But, I mean, you know, I went to medical school. And, like, technically, that license, I mean, it gives me a right to do anything, you know? Like, I mean, I have the right to, to do surgery if I want to. I mean, I don't have privileges anywhere because I'm a family doctor. But I, I can do it. You could do. I mean, you could do it. I mean, I've seen them. In med school. <laughs> wait, okay, wait, 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 Sydney, are you, are you right now in, in our home suggesting that you are going to take out your own appendix? I just think it's the most reasonable option. That seems unlikely. It's just, I mean, it's no, it's no big deal. I'll just... I, I've got to get down to the hospital. I've got to steal some local anesthetic. Um, hopefully some sterile drapes and a scalpel. Okay, I'm going to make you a deal. 
Okay, here's my deal. Are you willing to hear me out? Okay, we don't have much time, though, probably. All right, uh, here's my deal. You take this pill that will make your appendix stop hurting for a half hour. It's appendicol. <laughs> you take this D- pill. Is this a patent medicine? This is appendicol, and it'll make your appendix stop hurting for a half hour. And you, if you can show me there's any historical basis for doctors doing this sort of thing, I, I will let you remove your appendix. Are, are you sure this isn't just... Bottoms an, up. An opium that... Oh, wow! I that not really bad, works. Huh? Not bad, right? That's some good stuff. Mostly meth. Oh, Whew. all right. You got thirty minutes. I'm gonna go be riding this dragon for thirty minutes. Ride, I'm ride, excited. Ride the snake. Tell me about doctors who perform surgery on themselves. Well, I'm not breaking new ground here, Justin. People have done this before. Um, back in 1949, there was a doctor in Colorado, George Balderston. And uh, he didn't, luckily for him, didn't have an appendicitis, uh, but he did wonder what it was like to be under anesthesia. He wanted to see what the experience was for, he was a surgeon and he did, you know, surgeries. And so he wanted to see what the experience was like for his patients. So he decided, you know what, you don't need your appendix. Make might go bad at some point. I better just take my own out. Okay. <laughs> okay. I have a problem with Dr. George Balderston. I'm assuming he's dead. So I can't bring it to him directly. Well, he did survive the surgery. Spoilers. Okay, that's fine. Dr. George, I can dig you wanting to um, see what anesthesia is like. I don't know why you had to choose that moment to remove your appendix. That seems like sort of throwing um, good money after bad. Like... You're 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 trying to see the effects of anesthesia. That's fine. Why can't you see the effects of anesthesia on you? Like trying to do a Sudoku. <laughs> like I don't know why you have to see. Like I gotta see how bad this is. Let me get a knife. Well, I, he just wanted an authentic experience. You know, his you patient. Can see he an authentic experience by like doing some light gardening on on anesthesia. Why do you have to choose that moment to do surgery on yourself? I think the most amazing part is he didn't use a mirror to do the surgery. Mm, mm, mm. I don't know. I've I've tried to envision the position you'd have to lay in to get a good view and not use a mirror. I think it's downward facing dog, right? He was back to work in two days. God bless him. Yeah. It also there was also some thought that the reason he did it is because he had been kind of criticized publicly by a member of the community who said that he had done a surgery and that he'd botched it and he wasn't a good surgeon and so he wanted where, to pr- where do they get off <laughs> he wanted to prove to everybody questioning dr george uh, he knows what he's doing <laughs> he's a he's a seasoned pro he was not the only one uh in history to remove his own appendix really no there's actually what i think is a pretty cool move so unlike dr balderston Dr. Uh, Rogozov, which is a name some people may be familiar with, he was a uh, he was a physician at the Soviet research station in Antarctica or Antarctica back in the 50s and 60s. No be- no native bees in Antarctica. We learned that from the chase yesterday. That's right. There are no bees there. There might be bees, but they are they are like tourists. They are not <laughs> They're just visiting. Bees. They're just visiting bees. Can you imagine how cute they are with their little, little Hawaiian little shirts bee parkas, and their striped striped parkas? Bee cameras. Love it. Okay, so tell me about this cat. So he, like I said, he was the only physician stationed at this um, at this research setup, uh, you know, out in the middle of nowhere. And he started having symptoms that he 
diagnosed, he finally realized were an appendicitis. Mm -hmm. So you got to figure that's pretty scary. It's 1961. Transportation home is not readily available. Um, An appendicitis is a time limited condition. You know, you've got to do something about it before it ruptures. And that that thing bursts. It's it's. It's bad news bears. It usually is. Um, you know, there. of course, it can rupture and it can kind of wall itself off in like a little pocket of infection. So it's not always immediately fatal. But yes, it's a bad situation. It can flood your system with toxins. You can become sec- septic. You can definitely die. Uh, and that's what he thought was going to happen. He actually wrote about how he was getting sicker and he knew what was happening and he didn't want to tell anybody else around him. He had like a mechanic and like a geologist and other people who were very intelligent but had no idea how to do surgery. And he didn't want to tell him what was going on because, you know, he knew the end was coming. So what did he do? So he decided to take matters into his own hands. Literally. So he got his friends. Actually, I think it was a mechanic and a meteorologist who were at his sides and handed him instruments. He used local anesthetic and a mirror and removed his own appendix. Fantastic. It's pretty amazing. That's pretty great. Yeah. See, see George, see Dr. George, that's how you do it. Wait for the need to arise. Yeah, I think it's more heroic when you actually need to. To continue kind of the the, the, the storyline here that you really don't wanna be stationed in Antarctica for any reason. There was another doctor in the 90s, Dr. Jerry Nielsen, who there's actually a great book written about this and I think there was a movie based on it too. She was stationed alone there, the only doctor. She discovered on self-breast exam, discovered a lump in her breast. Oh no. She uh, biopsied it herself. She actually teleconferenced with uh, doctors who did those procedures to tell her how to do the biopsy on herself which is pretty amazing. That, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, and not only she did one, but then the the way that she kind of um, stored the, the tissue and sent it to be, you know, examined under microscope and all that, it wasn't, it didn't work, it wasn't viable. So she had to do a second biopsy on herself. But I mean, she, she did it and she diagnosed herself with cancer and then gave herself chemo there. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she, she was doing it through, with the help of, you know, doctors teleconference den but i think it's pretty i think it's pretty amazing that's fantastic wow i i don't have a joke to say that's like the hardest core thing i've ever heard well i i thought it was the hardest core thing i ever heard but as i was kind of looking into this idea that i mean my thought was probably only doctors did self-surgery um because why would you think about doing surgery on yourself if you didn't at least have some familiarity with anatomy physiology anything yeah scalpels um you know how blood works Mm -hmm. blood (laughs) bones all the all the important parts so uh gully works what i found is that what i have dubbed civilians or non-medical personnel are actually um maybe even more likely to attempt surgery on themselves (laughs) unsurprising (laughs) and those of us in the medical profession yeah i can do that and th- there are lots of reasons. People watch ma- people watch uh, cooking shows and think they can be on MasterChef. Like I don't know why I don't know why we don't all immediately assume like, well, I'm, I watched ER until it got bad. I I watched most of House. I think I, I can handle. I it. saw Clooney stick that straw in that guy's neck. Yeah, I'll I stick got a straw. This. I'll stick a straw in my neck. Um, so there there have been uh, like I said, non medical personnel who've attempted various surgeries. Some um because they had to, others because. I don't know. The doctors seem like an awfully long way away. Um, lazy? You're saying they're lazy? <laughs> Pathologically lazy? 
one one patient that definitely had to was uh, as recent as 2000, um, Inez Ramirez, who performed her own C-section. What could have necessitated that? She was. How did this catch her by surprise? She was laboring on her own. She had labored for many hours and realized uh, she didn't have. She was in a remote area. Didn't have a, a midwife or a physician or a nurse or anyone to assist her realized that the baby was not going to come. This was her, um, I believe, fifth child, so she was familiar. Mm-hmm. And she decided... She knows a clinger when she sees one. <laughs> there's only one way that this baby's coming out. So she got, I believe, a kitchen knife and performed no. a uh, an auto C-section. Auto C-section here, meaning, like, to herself. Yep. Just sliced it open and cut that baby. I wonder it if she is- had a scar already. I wonder if she had already had a C-section. Because that would be almost sort of like tracing in a way. I think that would make it a little bit easier if you had a scar to work on. Uh, no, it doesn't. <laughs> you, that you know of. <laughs> it you doesn't make know. it easier. Now, there's, if, if she big, had, there's just talk. more There's just more scar tissue that you have to get through. Yeah. Oh, man. That yeah. is rough. No, but she performed her own C-section. The reason that it's fun to tell this story on a podcast is that she did survive. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I believe she actually sent one of her young children, like her six-year-old son, to call for help. <laughs> Not and, the baby. Yeah, she covered up. No, not listen, not the newborn. This is a family. <laughs> this family is about nothing if not self sufficiency. <laughs> you are gonna go learn to use a. This is a fair trade. I just cut you out of my own uterus. You're going to go for help. You can pick up an iPhone and push the buttons. You cut. Use Siri. Okay, I'll let you cheat, baby. She. Although to be fair, hopefully if she had Siri. That would have been the first call. One would hope if she, if she if she had a even one to two bars, I think is enough to to get nine one one on the horn. <laughs> she uh, she survived and the baby survived. Uh, they the child got help and um, she was taken to a hospital where the wound was repaired and uh, she had damaged her bowels and stuff too. And anyway, they fixed everything up and she did better. So a really heroic story. Yeah, that's, that's pretty great. Next time, I hope she goes to a hospital, though. I don't, I don't think that's a trick you want to repeat. No, why tempt fate? That's what I say. This, this heroic story is, I think, a little bit in contrast to, let's go back pretty far to uh, Boston Corbett, who, again, I'm sure you know who that is, Justin. Uh, Obviously. If my history does not fail me, that was the inventor of the Malomar. Boston Corbett. That's... That's completely wrong. Okay, who's Boston Corbett? He's the soldier who killed John Wilkes Booth. Okay, all right. Uh, he performed surgery on himself, uh, obviously not a C-section and not an appendectomy, um, but he castrated himself. Now, why did he do that? He was tempted by prostitutes. He was a God-fearing man, did not want to give in to this temptation, and so he thought this was his only uh, recourse. It must have been hard for Boston after killing John Wilkes Booth because he knew the publicity was coming. <laughs> he knew he knew that the that the reporters were going to start swarming. Like, listen, guys, I'm happy to answer a few service questions. Let's not get too personal. <laughs> Boston's made some decisions. Okay, there's a lot of skeletons in this closet, and not as many bones as you would think. Um, <laughs> Wait. I removed my think, penis bone. Wait, do you know? Do you know what castration is? That's I. I know where it's where you remove the the um the uh, the the balls. Can we say testicles? We're adults here. The testicles. 
Just making sure. The testicles. And for the record, there is no penis bone. Well. I'd just like to say that publicly. I agree to disagree. In humans. I agree to disagree. Uh, I think what's great about the story is that he, he castrated himself and then he went to um, his uh, church, his prayer house, I believe, uh, said some prayers and then went and had a nice dinner and then went to the doctor <laughs> to seek medical attention for his open wound where he castrated himself. I wonder what dinner <laughs> is the right pairing for having just removed one's testicles. Uh, it's for better men than me to say. I, I, uh, I myself would only let a seasoned medical professional remove these testicles. <laughs> only, only the best. Suffice it to say. Well, and also think about it. Your Boston Corbett killed the man who killed Lincoln. Who's going to challenge you on your manhood? Hey, I killed John Wilkes Booth. You can't you can't make it jokes at my expense. Doesn't matter that I remove my own testicles. A lot of people. John Wilkes Booth actually made fun of him. That's a that's that's. Oh, a lot that's of why it happened. Know. It had nothing no, to do it with had nothing to, Oh, yeah. Hidden history. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Hidden history. Our new <laughs> our new podcast where I lie and Cindy enables. <laughs> I hope he had a steak or just something really decadent oh uh justin i'm sorry that's my pager going off oh oh yeah go ahead go for it we'll wait okay i'll be back hey it's me jesse max fun con is maximumfun.org's annual gathering of friends in the mountains above los angeles join us this spring for comedy classes talks and parties with your new best pals tickets for the 2014 edition go on sale friday november 29th and to be honest, we cannot add any more bed capacity, so expect it to sell out quick. Head to MaxFunCon.com the day after Thanksgiving to grab yours. Okay, sorry, I'm back. Oh, no problem. Is everything okay? Yeah, just try to avoid using any, um, you know what Band-Aids are? Yeah. Stay away from those. Definitely just stay away. Just for the next two to three years. Who's next on our list, Ed? Uh, so next, I want to continue with our um, non-medical personnel who performed surgeries on themselves. Uh, Johannes Lathaeus is uh, one of my favorites. We're going way, way back to 1620. And um, Johannes removed his own bladder stone. Those can be unpleasant. I know that. Uh, now, okay, can I ask you a question and you promise not to make fun of me? Is that different than a kidney stone? Well, it's just in a different place. The bladder. Same idea. Okay. You uh, know, Griffin used to get kidney stones. I know. They're very painful. Oh, boy. He did not yeah. like them. They're he, very painful, and so do, so are bladder stones. Now, he went to the doctor like a wussy. Uh, he didn't have the guts. Despite my encouragement, he did not have the guts to remove it himself. Well, he's a wuss, unlike Johannes. Tell me. what's who? What? He, he decided, you know, this bladder stone is driving me crazy. He could feel it because <sighs> it was that big. And so he decided um, that he was just going to take it out himself. Uh, before he did it, he did um, ask his wife to go to the fish market. <laughs> Why? <laughs> well, he I, he just didn't want her around. I mean, it was oh, nice okay. Day. He was just trying to get her out of the house. That yeah. was what passed for fun in those days. Yeah. Why don't you hit the fish market, hey, honey? L- oh, listen. okay. Thanks, Johannes. Here's two pence. Go treat yourself <laughs> to a nice haddock. He just got his he got his brother to help him. So see, Griffin could have just called you up. Mm-hmm. 
gotten some help. See, and, and what he did is he he told his brother, so if you'll just pull aside my scrotum real quick. Um, you know, family connections can run really deep. <laughs> there, are, there are very few things I wouldn't do for my brothers. Uh, but the moment I hear the words, just pull aside my scrotum, slip past their list. Well, folks, I'm on the nearest Greyhound back to Huntington. <laughs> Guaranteed. Uh, he... In the meantime, grabbed the stone kind of through the perineum. You know what that is? That's the area. Oh, that's the taint. Oh, don't use that word. Yes. <laughs> that's the taint. That's that area there. That's the taint. He grabbed that and just used a knife that <laughs> he had he'd gotten, that he'd prepared somehow, gotten clean in after, some way, after, in some manner. After what historians agree was at least six to eight hours of sharpening. <laughs> No, 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 uh, no, no, not quite yet. A little more. A little little sharper. Just a little sharper. I think we'll be ready to go. He completely sharpened out of existence three knives before finally finally settling on this one. No, no, okay. This is, nope, nope, nope. That one broke. I whittled it into infinity. Then new knives. Gosh. Yes, these knives, huh? Don't make them like they used to. So he made an incision in, in his perineum. And the way it is described, all of this is described by Dr. Nick. Nicolaus Tolp, who uh, wrote down like accounts of different kind of medical oddities at the time. Um, and the the way he describes what he did next, so he, he made an incision and then by standing again and again, managed to make the wound long enough to allow the stone to pass. I Try to work the, out those mechanics in your head. Because I, I, I can't. No, I don't care who is in, I could have 40 Billy Blanks encouraging me to do those particular calisthenics, <laughs> and I still don't think they would have the desired effect. <laughs> he eventually had to reach in and actually remove the stone. Um, just put his fingers up there and pull just, it out. Just go for it. Um, bored of the whole thing. Thank goodness at that point he actually got someone who knew something about medicine involved, called called someone for help because he had a big... A big hole where it shouldn't be. Well, his fingers got stuck. What do you want him to do? <laughs> um, and it healed up actually pretty nicely. And he survived his um, his bizarre procedure. See, we rely on doctors so frequently. Uh, but little did you know, we rarely really need the uh, capital M. I don't, I don't capital know. Capital N need them. This was a four centimeter stone, too. Pretty big. Woof. Um Deborah Sampson is a pretty cool character. She's from 1782, mm-hmm. a member of the Continental Army, posing as a man. Wow, cool. Yeah. Um, and she uh, fought bravely, took two musket balls to the thigh, and her uh, comrades started, you know, carrying her to the hospital, you know, because she has, she'd been shot in the thigh. Uh, but she was um, adamant she didn't want to go because she knew she'd be discovered. So they managed to get her to the hospital where she took off and ran away, limped away, rushed <laughs> away. Not, not, not run not away. Ran away. Not ran away. Uh, but escaped and then dug one of the two balls out of her own thigh to avoid being found out as a, as a woman. The other one remained there and she had a limp all her life. Deborah Sampson, you are the coolest person that has ever been alive. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome, Deborah Sampson. Um, I think you had, at, at that point, can't you just, I, I, th- I would think that they would not make a big fuss. But don't you think that that, she could have, you know what? Shame on you, Deborah. I think if you had just owned up to it and said, yeah, I'm a woman, 
and I've got two musket balls in my leg. So who is tough now? And I am going to take them out myself. Watch me. You know what I actually think is sad is I think she was actually wounded again later. And then they did find her out. She, you know, was in a condition where she couldn't hide it. And um, she was taken in for medical attention. They figured out she was a woman and she was uh, discharged from the army. Unfortunately, yeah. Well, uh, unfortunately, yes. But let's just assume that Deborah, despite her apparent real thirst to kill people uh, and defend this great country, maybe was was through with the whole enterprise at that point, right? I mean, she had probably had her <laughs> fill of warfare. I know I would have. I could have a musket ball within a football field range of me and be pretty much done with war. <laughs> maybe Deborah was ready for a break. I, that, let's tell the story that way. Yeah, let's like go with better. that. You it's know a what? happier ending. You know what? I'm going home. War is dumb. I don't want any part War is dumb. War and is I dumb. got shot. I got shot three and, times. And your I'm biggest out. and you know what your biggest ish is that I'm a that I'm a woman. So wow. Wow, I'm over this. Shame you know what? Shame on you. Shame on all of <laughs> Shame you. Shame on all of you. Shame Take a all. long hard look. Think about what you're doing. Uh so before I tell you about my my favorite doctor. David Tennant. Well, that should be everyone's favorite doctor, clearly. But my favorite doctor who performed surgery on himself. Okay. Which hopefully David Tennant hasn't. <laughs> look out, David. Don't, David, Don't please. Do please. Sydney's asking. Um, in the 1970s, there's a there's a patient that I want to talk to you about first, who um, could not control his uh, libido and uh, performed um, many acts of onanism. If you get my drift, and in an effort to control that, he um, also masturbation. Thank you, Justin. My pleasure. He removed Literally. he removed both of his testicles, similar to our our previous um, patient. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this wasn't enough. He still found that he had the desire, you know, that his sexual desire persisted. So he actually attempted a procedure where one, he was. One would assume there was a law. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for at least a I would few think. days. I would think. Uh, he actually attempted to uh, cut the nervous input, the denervate, so cut the nerves to his own adrenal glands because he thought they were releasing the hormones that were causing the problems. Accurate? Uh, th- this is so much more complicated than that. Yeah, there's a lot <laughs> there's of There's a issues. lot of, there's a lot going on here. <laughs> um, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, but I think it's pretty fascinating. He actually read a lot of um, surgical texts and, and anatomy books to try to figure out how he could, I mean, not remove his adrenal glands. He wanted to go in and just cut the nervous input to them. Which is kind of fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it seems Lu- misdirected. Luckily, he was he was discuss- He couldn't com- complete the procedure. He called EMS. He got help, and uh, okay. he also got psychiatric help at the same time. Thank goodness. Hey, listen, I think it was the right call. Uh, I I want to tell you about lastly my favorite doctor who um who not who didn't did not only do one surgery on himself but actually did three. Okay, Doctor Evan O'Neill Kane. Uh, lived from 1861 to 1932. Barely. <laughs> well, that's not far off. He was a surgeon from Pennsylvania, and he was actually, you know, a pretty cool guy overall. He opened his own hospital. Um, he was, at the time, there were railway surgeons, which uh, you could think of it similar. That's a, that's a euphemism for hobos, right? No. Like, a, you know, like a flight surgeon or somebody who... Okay. So, I mean, you think about, at the time, there were there would be these uh, long 
trips by railway and you needed somebody who could, uh, you know, perform procedures and stuff. Couldn't always wait to get into the nearest nearest town. Yeah. So so that's pretty cool. He was a railway surgeon. So he did some like uh, kind of neat trauma stuff. He, he created ways to like administer IV fluids faster. Well, not IV fluids. I should say administer fluids faster. It's hard to get an IV started. So he would put them through the skin into the subcutaneous tissue. Especially on a train. Well, that, that exactly. And uh, that wasn't the, the best way to give somebody fluids, but it worked in a pinch. And uh, he uh, started using music therapy in the operating room to calm patients down, which actually there is some basis for. All right, let's get to the cutting. He also, uh, once, um, his own finger became infected, and he knew that uh, it was a, the kind of infection that could become life-threatening. So he just went ahead and amputated it himself. This is the problem with being a railway doctor. There's nobody, it's not like they have a backup. It's not like there's another one. So he took care of it on his own. Stop the train. We can't. We're busy. Cut your finger off. Cut your finger off. We're in a rush. Like, look outside of you. Kansas City is like right there. Please stop the train. I'm sorry, sir. You're just going to have to cut that finger off. It's going to have to come off. Could you do it in the other room? We've got a schedule. That's going to bleed. We've got a schedule to keep. So he amputated his own finger, which in and of itself is not the craziest of surgeries. But he didn't stop there. He was intrigued by this idea that, I mean, I'm I'm independent. I don't need help from anybody. I can do surgery on myself. Very Beyonce of him. So at the age of 60, he went into the hospital with symptoms that he knew were an appendicitis. Uh, He, while waiting for the OR to be ready and the surgeon to come tend to him, thought... You know what? We could do this with local anesthetic. They don't need to put me to sleep. We use ether too much. We need to stop using so much that. I'm just going to do this myself. It's a weird time to take that stand, really. <laughs> you should really have that figured out before you get into the OR. So they took him back to the OR and uh and he got all prepped and he had assistance and he was in a, you know, in an operating room and everything. He had a surgeon standing by um to help out should things go awry and he removed his own appendix. Okay, that's all right. You're right. That's pretty. That's pretty wild. And, but that wasn't enough. He's not done. That okay. was not enough. Um, not for not for Doc Evan. He decided at the age of seventy, when he had uh, an inguinal hernia that he needed repaired, that he had um, sustained an injury, I believe, while riding a horse, and it had bugged him for a few months. And he thought, you know what, I can fix this. <laughs> Uh, this is a little riskier procedure uh, it, it, because of its proximity to the femoral artery. Uh, you don't want to cut that. So um, it took him an hour and 55 minutes. Good. Take b- your time. But he repaired his own hernia. Why rush? He used, again, only local anesthetic. And the only, at the very end, he began to uh, kind of drift off with just like the last couple stitches left to go. And so another surgeon had to jump in and help out. Um, but what was interesting about it is that uh, like I said, not a normal guy. One of the things he liked to do to patients uh, when he finished up a surgery was stitch his initial into their skin as he closed. What? So they just had a K there? No. He knew that patients probably wouldn't like that. So he, he stitched a K in Morse code onto his patients. <laughs> The Banksy of his time. <laughs> so that was what actually at the very end of his own self-surgery, he couldn't finish the the K, <laughs> the Morse code K at the end of his uh, his hernia repair. 
Now, it's worth noting, everybody at home, that uh, Dr. Evan O'Neill Kane uh, lived, he did this surgery when he was 70, and at the most, he lived to be 71. So maybe (laughs) it didn't go super hot. To be fair, he did uh, develop pneumonia after the surgery, and... No surgery for that is their tough guy. <laughs> no, but I think it's I think it's pretty amazing that he did these. You know, it's nice to know for me personally that you know maybe I could do my own hernia repair. What do you think, Sydney? Real talk, real talk. Now, forget about the appendicitis that you put, took appendicitis for, because that right because that fixed that 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 came over the wire recently. That's permanent a permanent fix for appendicitis. What would it take for you to actually do? You would, you, I, you're like the toughest person I know. You probably would be interested in doing this, this to yourself, right? I think I would. I think that, um, I, I would be pretty hesitant in, you know, living in an area where I can easily get to a hospital and a surgeon should I need one. Because if you die in that scenario, you're a goofball. Right, right. Um, But if I were in a situation where I I had no help, I mean, I certainly, you know, people all the time remove their own stitches and staples and that kind of stuff after surgical procedures. That actually happened to me when I lost my fingernail. I lost the stitches that came out on a, when the fingernail got caught on a carpet. That was pretty traumatizing. I'm I mean, betting. I guess I you didn't include me on the list, but I mean, I guess maybe I belong there. I don't I, know. I think I would do some minor procedures, like uh, like a cyst removal, maybe, or like if I had something to cut open and drain. Um, I could see a scenario where I could pull my own tooth out, maybe. Would you be more like okay? Here's a, that's that's <laughs> you know, weird. Tie it to a doorknob. Here's my qui- here's my question. <laughs> would you then, to be honest, would you be more? Lo- uh, open to doing surgery on yourself or me? Oh, on you. Great. Well, I could see what I was doing much easier. Fantastic. Wonderful. You don't want me um, to go to the hospital? I'll just go to the hospital. Well, when it's necessary. I mean, you know, you know a lot of the things we didn't talk about, yeah, there are lots paying, of... You got a bloodlust, apparently. I'm, no, I'm gotta just saying... Gotta get the chain man on the table. There are a lot of cases of people who have limbs trapped under things and have to amputate them themselves, you know? There's like that whole movie about it. So you want to go 127 hours on me. Yeah, what I'm saying is that when you have to do it, you do it. How about you do me a favor? And if you're with me, uh, you just go ahead and call somebody. Could you do that? Could you just call somebody? Okay, I'll call somebody. But in the meantime, maybe somebody needs to take action. And I'm just saying. Try the phone first, Sydney. I'm just saying I've got the guts to do it. We hope you have the guts to join us for another episode of Sawbones. We're here every Friday, and we hope you uh, have enjoyed. listening to the show half as much as we enjoy making it thank you to people tweeting about the show like cheryl klein leah sarah ann michelle lambing steve kim matt pasquel ian kelly matt armstrong benjamin reed frank conanen i guess meredith faber claire bear paul matthew page uh so many of you are tweeting about the show and gosh do we ever appreciate it that's our only way of getting the word out so uh Please, please, please tweet about the show. Use the uh, uh, at Sawbones, not the beginning, because then everybody doesn't see it. But uh, give, give us a review on iTunes if you can. That would be amazing. Oh, yeah. And thank you so much for all the nice reviews, all the people who say they listen to our show, who are playing it to their classes, like well, school classes. A little intimidating. I'll, I'll try to keep them factual. Uh, I'll do my best. Thank you to, uh, to everyone reviewing. God, there's so many reviews. You guys are really... Really the best. Uh, Holly Cal, 
Salamander, uh, enjoy the science, white gunpowder, Epono 158, uh, Supernatural 920, Alexa Nan B. Thank you so much to, to folks tweeting about uh, or reviewing the show on iTunes. That That is a, another huge help to us. You can tweet at us too, by the way, at Justin McElroy. And she's at Sydney McElroy, S-Y-D-N-E-E. And uh, we're at Sawbones if you want to tweet to us. And we're a part of the Maximum Fun Network. Uh, there's uh, so many other shows you can go there and enjoy. Like Stop Podcasting Yourself, Judge John Hodgman, Wham Man Pal, One Bad Mother, Jordan, Jesse Go. My brother, my brother, and me. Stop Podcasting Yourself. So many others. It's a wonderful network. We're so pleased to be a part of it. But most of all, we're pleased to be a part of your lives for a half hour every week. So uh, thank you so much. Don't know if uh, we're going to have a show next week. That's that's a question that we're still trying to figure we're gonna out. We're going to do our best. We're going to be, can we say where we're going to be? Uh, yeah, we're going to be at the, the... The Doctor Who 50th anniversary celebration in London. Oh, God, we can't wait. It's like the nerdiest We're so thing ever. excited. But we got family staying in our house, so don't even try it. Rubbish. Don't even try to break in. And we have two giant cats. We have guard cats and a security system, so shh, stuff it. And uh, that's going to do it for us on Sawbones. <laughs> uh, until we see you next Friday... Uh, or the Friday after that, possibly. I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. And as always, don't drill a hole in your head. All right. Yeah. org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.